The Psalms is the Old Testament book that is most quoted by New Testament authors. And in many cases, these passages are revealing and reflecting and finding their ultimate fulfillment in the person of Jesus. And we're going to step inside the Psalms in this series and meet Jesus there. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. So we wrapped up the series on success last week, and this new Jesus in the Psalms is our uh, the new series that we're stepping into today. But apparently God was not finished talking with me about the whole idea of success last week, because every time I turned around, I continually felt like the biggest failure at life. Nothing catastrophic happened. No one wound up in the hospital. There's no um, huge thing that went down, but everything was hard. Do you ever have weeks like that? I, it can't just be me, right? Please tell me it's not <laughs> just me. But nothing went like it was supposed to. My teenager was pushing boundaries in a big way. I was struggling constantly with feelings of failure and inadequacy. It was um, the first week of school. And that's always a hard transition for us. I have a business that helps our clients create better relationships. So creates raving fan customers and loyal, happy employees. And Sometimes things go wrong in business, right? Last week, every single project had a speed bump, and I spent all week fielding and fixing problems, ones that I didn't cause. Everything was just a struggle or a conflict. And I began to realize that one of my unarticulated or unrealized measurements of success is lack of conflict. When there's not conflict, I feel like a success. When there's conflict, that immediately creates these feelings of failure inside me. And it's really interesting and important to note those things when you come across them. So as God speaks to you about the stuff that we talked about last month and the prayed through the ideas of success, note what those things are that come up, how you are defining success. It's interesting to see those things that you have no idea you did not realize. I also began to think about where those feelings of failure and inadequacy come from. They came from my circumstances. I don't really believe in failure. I believe what most people call failure is simply data points, learning opportunities. But my feelings weren't aligning with what I believe. And the truth of the matter is that I can't let my circumstances define how I feel about myself. They are not the truth of who I am. I am and you are a dearly loved child of the almighty king of the universe, perfectly designed for what God wants you to do. You are defined by God, not by circumstances. And some weeks I needed to be reminded of that. Now, if you're feeling less than or inadequate or like a failure today or this week, maybe you need reminding too that your circumstances do not define you. God does. And he is more than adequate. And he loves you without restraint no matter what your circumstances look like. So that's what I've been thinking about this week. When we think about prayer today, I just want to reawaken your heart to the miracle of prayer. Our prayers are not something that God just kind of has to put up with, like a 
constant chatter of a toddler that you're so tired of that question, why, 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 why? It's not that attitude at all. He tells us repeatedly to ask him to come to him in prayer. Scripture says that the prayer of God's people is incense in his throne room. He wants us to pray. He tells us to pray, commands us to pray, and he values our prayers, surrounds himself with our prayers. The one who spoke the earth into existence, the all-knowing, all-powerful God who holds the world together, wants you to speak to him, values your prayers, wants to listen and respond to you. When thinking about who God is and who I am, And that idea that he wants to hear from me is amazing. And that awe that God himself wants an ongoing relationship with me, an ongoing conversation, is worth marinating in. And it's worth remembering because it draws forth worship from us, which leads us right into worship. So we're going to worship with two passages this week. Uh, 1 John 4.10 is the first one, and it says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as sacrifice to take away our sins. Since we're talking about Jesus in the prayer part portion this morning, we're just going to open with this recognition of who he is and what he's done. And then we'll go into Romans 8, 35 and 38 through 39. And it says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So for me, nothing in all of my failures or shortcomings, perceived shortcomings last week, can separate me from the love of Christ. All right, let's pray. Father, you show us this example of real love, that you loved us so much to sacrifice our sons in order to make a way possible for us to be in relationship to you, to take away my sins. You loved me that much that you sent your son to suffer and die for me. Amazing. I recognize that this morning, that this work of Christ, that this sacrifice was for me and was made by God. And that nothing, nothing that I can imagine, nothing that I face day to day, nothing in this world, whether it is the world I see of this physical, this physical world that I interact with, or the spiritual world that I'm half the time not even aware of, but is so um, much, as much reality as my physical existence. Nothing in the spiritual realm or the physical realm can separate me from you. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Father, that kind of love is unfathomable to me. I can't even begin to grasp the depth of it. But I pray that you would help me to take that, whatever the next step in realizing what that means for me is and those who are listening. We worship you and honor you this morning for being one that can create this unshakable thing, 
the only one probably that could create this impossible scenario that my sins are taken away, that you want a relationship with me. That was all you're doing. And I'm so grateful for that this morning. I honor you for being the one who could make that possible. The one who shows us the example of what real love is and the one that could make such an un- unchangeable bond between us. I worship and honor you for that this morning. As we step into this prayer time, I guess my biggest request today is just that you speak through me. I feel unsettled this morning. I have so many details this morning that have to fall and are falling into place. And I thank you for your hand in that. But as I come to this morning and these passages, I have less of a uh, less of my less of my own plans than normal, and I need you to step into that space. It's certainly going to be much better if you <laughs> if you control this going forward than I do. And so I I pray for your spirit to speak through me, open these scriptures to us in ways that we may not have seen before, and guide us into exactly what message what uh, what you want us to hear from you today. We offer you this time and our obedient and listening hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned in the opening moments of this broadcast that Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. And in this series, we're going to look at what the Psalms tell us about the coming of the Christ, the nature of Christ, the life and death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. At least that's my plan right now, laying out the next four weeks. It's always subject to change as I as I dig in and the series develops. But today we're going to look at some of the passages about the coming of the Messiah that were written before the coming of the Messiah. Psalm 89 says, the Messiah will come from the lineage of David. And 89 verses 3 and 4 say, you have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations, Selah. So let's pray about that for a moment. Father, we've already worshipped you as the one who can do the impossible things of, of taking our sins from us. You made a covenant with David, your servant, that you would establish David's offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. That's all time. As long as people are being born, your throne reigns, that David's offspring will reign on your throne in Jesus. Certainly at that time, and and I, I think I'll say this later, but people would have thought of that as a physical offspring, as David's uh, kingship within his physical line would last forever, which is astonishing, but you meant it as your Messiah and this ongoing throne that he will reign on forever. All generations, all people, never ending, unchanging. This is who you are and how you reign, Jesus. Help us to see the significance of that today, this idea of forever, all generations, We said it before, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because you are forever. And that relationship 
is forever. I can't even imagine forever. I have no context for forever. I, our, <laughs> our lifespan is so short when we think about forever. When I think about this, I always think of this story of a pastor of mine standing on a huge stage and having this string that stretched from one side of the stage and he had a, a co-worker stretch it all the way across the stage. Just, it was it was a really big stage and the, the string was really long and the very like first half inch of it was painted red. And that was indicative of my lifespan or even the lifespan of all the generations that we know of. And that string that would keep going on for infinity is forever. My life is but this passing breath, I think scripture says. Give us a vision for Jesus in eternity and what that means for me and my relationship with you. Psalm 132, 11 and 12, similar reign says, The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise that he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever and ever. Father, our life here comes with, and your expression of love in Christ towards us demands a response. I think I'll ask it later. I keep shifting ahead. A question that Jesus asks, what do you think about the Messiah? Is the question that feels so simple and is the most question, the most important question that we'll answer in our lifetime. We have a responsibility to, to respond to that question in gratitude, in love, in worship, in obedience. Help my life reflect that answer in my worship to you, in my obedience to your word, to your revealed will in my life. Help my life look like love in response to that question. And that's not always the easy kind of love to love the people when there's no conflict. It's to love the people who are hard to love in the situations that are difficult, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of betrayal. You kissed your betrayer. You sacrificed yourself for me when I have been part of that sin. Help my life reflect the love that you show in the permanence that these scriptures describe. So I'm going to read a passage from Matthew 22, and it's Jesus, but he's referring back and quoting Psalm 110. So it's Jesus recognizing and pointing out to his people that these Psalms refer to something more than the physical expectations that they had. Here, it's, I'll read it to you first. It says, then, surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they replied, he is the son of David. And Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, in Psalm 110, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Jews of Jesus' time saw Psalm 110 as messianic. They knew it was referring to the Messiah, but they saw the Messiah simply as human, as a physical descendant of David. Jesus' question, based on his divine understanding of this psalm, 
revealed the nature of the Messiah to be more than David, more than simply human, more than a descendant of David, more than simply human, more than, greater than, in quotes, David. This question, this deceptively simple question, what do you think of the Messiah, is one that we're going to be thinking a lot about in the episodes to come. So let's pray through that section for or that passage for a few minutes. Father Jesus speaking to his religious audience. His religious audience wants to shift their perspective. Use your word to speak to this religious audience, this, those who are followers of you who are listening right now, but also the church. Speak to the church and shift our perspectives where they need to be shifted. The church is made up of fallible humans. Certainly, it has a lot of things that need to be improved, opportunities for the church to become more Christ-like, more that perfect bride that you have in mind. And I pray that you would do exactly what Jesus did here and ask us hard questions. Help us reframe our perception of our own faith. Speak into my own heart and help me answer this question. Who, what do you think of the Messiah? Who is he? Teach me those things that are important for me to understand right now in my level of relationship and whoever's listening in whatever place in their relationship with Christ that they are, whether they are just asking questions about him or whether they are have this close, intimate relationship and have for many, 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 many decades. Ask those questions of us. Lead us to find those questions that reframe our perception of Christ into one that is closer to the divine truth of who he is. Use this series as as the next episode to help us to get to know you better, Jesus, to speak to our hearts about who you are, to help us understand the idea of Messiah in the person of Jesus in ways that we haven't before. Help us to live the answer to this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Help that answer, how we understand, believe, and love in that answer to be evident in our lives. And that translation isn't always easy from head knowledge to life knowledge to heart understanding and behavior, but we're offering ourselves to you for you to guide us in that. Lead us into the steps that we need to take for that, for our behavior to reflect that heart. In Jesus' name, amen.